It's been 15 years since the terror attacks on the World Trade Center on 9-11. Do you remember where you were on that day and how you felt? Well, I was in Detroit, Michigan. I had just voted in the primary for my state. And um, I came in the house and I asked my wife, what movie are you watching? She said, there ain't no movie, they just attacked the Twin Towers. I was working on a construction site in a place called Exeter in England and it came on the ra- over the radio. I was in complete shock and devastation when I heard about it. Growing up in a military family, my dad was in the Air Force at the time, uh, kind of hit home with us, you know, don't know if he's going to be, you know, sent over there to help out with different things. Um, you know, obviously, you know, hits us hard, you know, just being American, you know, living here, you know, loving everything. It's tough. I was on Delta Flight 1277 bound for Cleveland, Ohio, and pilot came on the intercom about 918 and informed us all passengers what had happened and said he'd been ordered by the FAA to land the aircraft in Cincinnati he said we were at 28,000 feet we're going to be on the ground in 10 minutes hang on I remember as clear as day I was um, at work I had just gotten to work that morning and the events unfolded um, so we all gathered around my desk at work and just kind of in disbelief. I'm an elementary school social worker in upstate New York, so I was at school when um, the information came over the um, PA that they had an announcement to make, and they gathered the staff down in the um, gym and told us what was going on, and I spent much of the morning going around to classrooms and calming kids down. Good morning. It's uh, September 11th, 15 years uh, to the day after those attacks, uh, the Al-Qaeda attacks on the World Trade Center towers. I remember where I was, too. I had been a part of a men's Bible study uh, early on a Tuesday morning. It was a Tuesday. Um, And we'd had this Bible study at 6 a.m. and finished a little after 7. A couple of us had gone out for breakfast biscuit, and we came back to my office. And some people were standing around a television set that was a part of an AV cart, and it was about... um, 10 till 8, and I'll never forget, uh, they said, well, you know, I go, what are you watching? They go, well, there's a plane that flew into the World Trade Center and one of the towers. And it was like, I was thinking, man, you wonder if this was an accident? You know, people were talking about this or commentaries or was film of this and all this. And we were standing around talking this for another 10 minutes or so. All of a sudden, the second plane hit because it hit about, you know, 15, 20 minutes later. And it was like, and nobody said a thing, but everybody just walked away. And we all went, oh, no. And then before long you heard there was another plane that had crashed into the Pentagon and another plane that had gone down in Pennsylvania. And the president had been evacuated into Air Force One. And my kids came home from school early that day. And we were watching the news together. And my boys were young. They were small then, 12 and 10 and 6. And we were sitting around our living room. And they go, Dad, what does this mean? And one of them said, I'm scared. And... We prayed. And we thought, well, if we're talking about the series and overcoming, what a perfect day to talk about overcoming fear. Because I don't know anybody who was around watching the events that day that didn't have a certain amount of fear. And today we're going to talk about that there are fears we face that are legitimate and fears we face that are not. But either way, how do we overcome our fear? How do we deal with our fear so our fear doesn't control us? And so today I want to talk about overcoming with overcoming fear and dealing with our fears in the strength of the Lord. If you need a pen, please raise your hand. There's some things you want to take some notes on here. This is important stuff. And um, let's pray. 
Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here today, and I thank you that on 9-11 we can talk about overcoming fear. Father, I remember being very afraid as I was driving home because I didn't know what the future was. And I remember how important it was to me to know that you were there and that you would listen and that you would guide us through. I don't know what people do when they don't have you. I guess they just, I don't know, just give in to the fear. But Father, the good news is today your scripture reminds us over and over and over again we don't have to be afraid because you're always with us. So we ask that you would be with us now in this hour, that you would speak and you would give us clear minds so that although some of us are facing some very difficult situations ahead which could lock us down in fear, we're not going to give in to that. We're going to meditate on the things that you want us to know. So please speak, Lord, and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ I pray, amen. Well, you'll see on the outline, it's inside your bulletin there, overcoming fear, that fear, as we're talking about today, it's that disturbing emotion we experience when facing impending danger or evil or pain. Something's coming, and we've got that knot in our stomach, and it's like, oh my goodness. And it's a common emotion, and sometimes it's terribly important to understand this, because in the parenthesis, you see this, some of these things, some of these dangers are real, others are only imagined. I have some quotes on the back side of your outline, too. One of them is from Mark Twain, and he said, I've lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. And that's true. We can be given in to fear of a real threat. When the Trade Center towers went down and we didn't know what was going on, that's a real threat to the United States of America. Real threat. And we have to take it very seriously. There are other things that we're not. I remember when... Uh, in 1999, during that time, there were people that wrote all these books, even Christian people that wrote a lot of books about the dangers of Y2K. Does anybody remember this? All the computers were going to shut down, bank accounts were going to be emptied, um, you know, things would just completely collapse because we hadn't built into the codes of all these computers uh, to turn over for the next century. Nobody thought about that. And I remember it caused all kinds of things. Well, I was an associate pastor at the time, and so our senior pastor allowed me. He said, would you handle this if people come in and want to talk about this? And I had people that would come in, and they wanted us to turn their, our church at the time into a, a, basically a big grain silo because we were going to be back to the Stone Age. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it was incredible. And so I guess I got the nickname. That was the disaster pastor there for a while because I was handling all this. But it was amazing after I started reading this, and I would even show people I had a digital watch, and I would tell them, look, I'll set the date forward. Nothing happens. I'd let them watch it turn to midnight right there, and it didn't self-destruct. And all of a sudden, we were dealing with imaginary fears, but boy, if you remember, if you were around at that time, I mean, there were cameras all over the world to see what would happen because we'd built this thing up in our minds. There are other things we can build up in our minds just like that, and they can completely control us. And that's point, that brings us to point A. If we allow fear to control us, it'll ruin our lives. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't real dangers. So please don't hear me saying just ignore danger. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is when danger or evil or pain is heading our way, we need to have a clear head. And today we'll talk about how to have a clear head to deal with it and not be given in, not be controlled by emotion or fear. There's a difference. Please understand that. Here are a couple of reasons why. Because first of all, fear demoralizes us. 
It demoralizes us. When the children of Israel had gone into the promised land, they had attacked Jericho, and God had given them a mighty victory. He told them, don't take anything out of Jericho, though. That place is to be utterly destroyed. But someone, one of the Israelites, a man named Achan, had taken some of the stuff and buried it under his tent. And God said, if you take stuff out of there, I won't be with you when you go on to your next military campaign. And the reason you're going to win these military campaigns is because I'm with you. So they attacked a small town nearby named Ai, and Joshua, who was leading the people at the time, had been told by his advisors, his scouts, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. Don't weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them, because they were doing it on their own power without the Lord there. And they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes and at at the news of this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And that's what fear does to us. It completely demoralizes us. We lose all of our confidence, all of our hope. And it just means to dishearten. I mean, if you think about being disheartened when your heart melts like water. Ugh, I've got no, I've got no strength left. I mean, some of us have been through this. When we've lost a loved one, how am I going to face the future? When we face a bad diagnosis, oh my goodness. When we get to work and all of a sudden we're brought in, the company's shutting down and your position is no more in three weeks or six weeks. What now? I mean, these things are real. But if I give in to fear, my heart can melt like water and I have no strength. Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 143.4 says this, fear paralyzes us. Fear paralyzes us. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. And this is what I'm talking about. If I live a disheartened, paralyzed life because there are dangers and there's evil and there's pain coming my way, real or imagined, well, now I'm not experiencing the abundant life that Christ wanted me to have. So how do I go through this world where I am going to have bad diagnoses and I am going to have loved ones die? I will. So will you. I will have times of richer and times of poorer. So will you. That will happen. How are we going to go through that without being completely shut down, without being completely paralyzed? Because we've all known people who did this. When they went through a hard time, there was no victory. There was no joy. They couldn't move forward. They just stopped. Well, where do they find the strength and where do they find the clarity to go on so they're not overcome by fear? I listed some fears that we will all likely face at one time or other. Some fears we deal with are fear of failure, fear of injury or sickness, fear of the future, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of crime, fear of violence, fear of financial loss, fear of death. I mean, I could have filled up the whole page with just fears. There's so many. And some of them real, some of them imagined. But how am I supposed to live so that when I'm facing a fear, an impending situation, how am I going to keep a clear head? How am I going to have the right perspective? Because we talked about this last time in overcoming um, mediocrity, that there is a spiritual battle going on for the control of my mind. And the devil would love to have me bound up in fear so that I can't think and I can't move and I can't do anything. I can't see the way forward. I can't see any hope at all. I'm just completely bound up in fear. And that's not how God wants us to live. So this morning... I want to share with us three steps, three things we can do so we will not be controlled by fear because God does not want us to be controlled by fear. 
Where do I get that idea? 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Would you read that out loud with me, please? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I mean, it was amazing to me. If you want something fun, get on Google and just Google. How many times do the words do not fear appear in the Bible? You will be shocked. Hundreds. Literally. Do you know why it's in there so many times? Because God wants us to not fear. But we're told over and over again, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep. You know what's one great characteristic of sheep? They're afraid. Sheep don't have many offensive weapons. I mean, they're woolly. And that's about it, okay? Maybe they could rub against each other and give you a good static shock. I don't know. But that's it. I mean, you don't know sheep for their fangs or their sharp hooves or their blazing speed. You know sheep for wool. And they're afraid. They're timid and afraid. And that's the way we are. And over and over again, you could see the disciples. They see Jesus do a mighty miracle calming the storm, and they're terrified. And Jesus gets in a boat with them after he's walked on the water, and he says, don't be afraid. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? The angel appeared to Mary. The angel says, don't be afraid. Over and over again, don't be afraid. God's speaking to Joshua, and he's going to lead this military campaign. Joshua, be courageous. Don't be afraid. And here's, here are three important reasons why. First of all, we have to remember that God is with us. God is with us. We don't need to be afraid, because no matter what we face, a bad diagnosis, a business reversal, the loss of a loved one, whatever it is, God will see us through this, and he will go with us. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen. We're not alone. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand, Isaiah 41.10. When our boys would wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare or something, or they'd go, Dad, I'm scared, we'd go in and sit down on their bed, and we'd pray about it, and I'd read that scripture to them every time. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I will help you. And we need to remember this. God goes with us. Doesn't mean we won't have bad dreams. Doesn't mean we won't face things that are very frightening. But the way we keep from becoming paralyzed and demoralized by fear is by remembering that God goes with us and he'll see us through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd's staff was a shepherd's crook to pull you back if you got too close to a dangerous situation. The rod was just a big club. It was a club that would used to hit a bear or a wolf or anything else on the head. I mean, you're going to correct me when I need it, and you'll whack my enemies on the head. Because you'll go with me. So I'm not going to fear, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because you go with me. 
I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, how does that work? Why does that help? Well, I'll give you a practical example. Uh, a while back, I got a letter from the IRS that from uh, one of my tax returns a couple years ago, apparently I'd made a few mistakes, and they wanted an explanation of this. Well, that's normally enough to turn my heart to water, okay? I don't want anything John Schmidt versus the IRS, okay? I don't think you do either. But you know what I did? I have a CPA who helps prepare my taxes, so I called him, and I said, hey, can I send you this? And I did. And he said, well, here's what we need to do. We're going to do this, this, and this. And I mailed that in. A few weeks later, I got a letter from the IRS that said, thanks for clarifying. We're good. But even after I made the first phone call to the CPA, I wasn't afraid anymore because I had somebody with me who knew what was going on. I don't understand the tax code. Uh, nobody said amen. That's amazing. Okay, apparently y'all do. I don't. But I knew somebody who did, and when he was with me, I wasn't afraid. Made all the difference in the world. I take my car to a mechanic that I trust. He fixes the car. I leave the car there. I'm not worried about it because he knows how to fix the car, and I don't. What if we looked at God that way? God, I don't know about my future. I don't know about this diagnosis. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it now. But I'm not afraid because you go with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I'm going to make a mistake, I know you'll pull me back. If somebody's coming after me, I know you're going to bonk them on the head. Well, that's my translation. Okay. But what if we looked at God that way? But John, you don't understand. I, I mean, it's okay coming to church, but I don't know if that's going to, that doesn't really carry over to my workplace, or that really doesn't carry over to my finances or other things like this. Well, here's a life application for you and me. We need to surrender every part of our lives to the control of the Holy Spirit. I mean, how does God go with us? Well, when we ask Christ into our hearts, he's in us. Jesus said that he would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit who would be in us everywhere we go. And so if there's a part of my life where I say, hey, I don't think God's any part of this life. Well, here's the question. Have I ever surrendered that part of my life to him? Maybe the reason I'm worrying is because I've never said, Lord, I want you to be in control of this part of my life. I mean, you're my Lord, but you're Lord of Sunday morning. And you're Lord of a few other things. Are you Lord of my future? Are you Lord of my diagnosis? Are you Lord of my family? Are you Lord of whatever else I'm worried about and afraid? Since we're living by the Spirit, Galatians 5.25, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part. If I want peace in every part, then I'm going to have to surrender every part. John 14, 26, where Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. I mentioned this a minute ago. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you everything and he'll remind you everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. What's the difference between the peace that Jesus gives and the world gives? Well, in our world, the way we say we have peace, peace is an absence of conflict. Like, nations are at peace when we're not at war. Then we're at peace. The only way we can have peace is if we separate and agree, or we have a neutral zone, or we have a treaty, and we just you stay on your side of the border, and I stay on my side of the border. An absence of conflict brings peace. Here's what's different with Jesus. 
Because Jesus is in our heart and gives us the resources of heaven itself at our disposal through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have peace in the midst of conflict. I can have peace in the midst of a bad diagnosis. I can have peace when I find out that I don't, that my job isn't going to be continued anymore because I know God will guide me to the next position. That's a peace the world can't give. And that's why we trust in him. And so it matters. I don't need to be afraid because God is with us. Could we just say this statement together, please? God is with us. And that's where we find the peace. Secondly, and, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, point two on this is this. We don't need to be afraid because God will guide us. God is with us, and God will guide us. Well, I don't know what to do. Good. That's why it's so important to turn to God. If you don't know what to do, the Lord says, well, then follow me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, because you don't know what to do anyway. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I mean, this is where our faith really comes in. We can have peace because God is with us in the midst of conflict, and we can have peace because we know God will guide us to the next step. I don't have to figure it all out. I just have to live one day at a time. I could have put so many scriptures in here. David said, I love your word, Lord, because it's like a lamp to my feet and a, a light to my path. It's like carrying a lantern. It doesn't show me, you know, it's not a Q-beam showing me, 500 yards ahead, but it's enough for me to see the next few steps. And if God showed us all the things we were going to face 10 years from now, if you look back from 10 years ago, talk about being afraid, we never would have gone. And that's so true. So he takes us step by step. He leads us. And all we have to do is trust that if we have a right relationship with him, we've surrendered every part of our lives that he will guide us. So here's a life application. When we don't know what to do, we need to pray. If I don't know where to go, a prayer is, God, guide me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace, here it is again, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. A peace that doesn't depend on an absence of problems or an absence of conflict. A peace that's in the middle of conflict in the middle of problems, because God promises to guide us the way out. He'll show us the way. Now, that doesn't mean that he shows it to us. If we pray for 30 seconds, one prayer, one time, boom, we instantly get an email in the inbox. Here's what you need to do, detailed instructions for the next 11 years. This, this is something we're going to have to pray about more than once. And it requires an ongoing relationship and ongoing conversations, because step by step, he'll lead us. If you need wisdom, James talks about this, James 1.5, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. He'll gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. So I can find peace and not be paralyzed by fear, not be demoralized by fear because of these two things already. Can we say both of them back to back? God is with us. God will guide us. One more time. God is with us. God will guide us. We're not exempt from problems. We're not exempt from conflict. We're not exempt from pain. We're not exempt from death. 
we know that God will overcome those things. And we have to let this sink in if I'm going to be an overcomer instead of just being paralyzed with fear. Point three, a third thing is we don't need to be afraid because God is infinitely bigger, smarter, stronger than anything we face. And it's true. God is bigger, smarter, and stronger. I mean, He is our God. He's not limited by age. We are. We age out of things, but He doesn't. He never grows old. We get tired. He never gets tired. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. We don't know everything. I mean, I think, I hope we've all discovered that. I don't know everything. Neither do you. God knows everything. If that's good news, would you say amen? Yeah, because he's bigger, and then he can guide me, and he can protect me from enemies who are stronger than me, but he's stronger than them. If he's smarter, well, then he knows which path to take, and all I have to do is trust in him. The Lord is my light and my salvation, Psalm 27. So why should I be afraid? The Lord's my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. My heart's not melting like water. My heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Why? Because the Lord is my fortress. He's bigger, smarter, and stronger. O sovereign Lord, that was Psalm 27. Here's Jeremiah 32. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing's too hard for you. Remember we had written, we just read Isaiah 41.10 back there about the, the wonderful truth that I will hold you with my victorious right hand. It said, Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing's too hard for you. I mean, even if we're afraid of death, that's the great news of Easter. Christ rose from the dead. The tomb was empty. He's stronger than the grave. Well, if he's stronger than the grave... What enemy do we face that's bigger than that? And so why are we afraid? And why are we paralyzed? And why in the scripture does it say over and over and over, do not fear, I am with you. Do not fear, don't look around you anxiously. Do not fear and give up. Don't give in to fear. Don't be paralyzed with fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I will guide you. I'm bigger and smarter and stronger. You're not putting your faith in a ridiculous little idol that can't move. We're putting our faith in the God of heaven who created heaven and earth and nothing's too difficult for him. So three life applications. If you and I are really going to get this into our heads and we need to stay away from fear mongers. What's a fear monger? Somebody who mongers fear. <laughs> okay? Somebody who makes you afraid. They're always telling you how bad it's going to be. And we are surrounded by people like this. This was true in Bible times too, and it, strike, it should be striking to you that when they recruited an army in Israel, Moses gave these instructions before they went into the promised land and even faced Jericho. He told the officers of the army, if somebody just got married, for instance, they should have a year to be with their wife and start their family and other things. He said, then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before, listen to this, before you frighten anyone else. See, the problem with giving in fear in our lives, into fear in our lives and being paralyzed, it doesn't just stop with us. Fear is contagious. 
when Gideon was instructed to assemble an army, the Lord told him the same thing. Hey, send all the people who are afraid home. Send them home because fear is contagious. When people are afraid and you're supposed to be depending on God, well, fear is something the devil uses to paralyze us. And now we won't be able to do anything. What would be the fear mongers in our day? Oh, I don't know. TV news, social media. I meet people like this. They watch hours of this stuff and they're convinced our economy is going to fall. Our country is going to be overrun. Everything's going to fall to pieces by six o'clock tomorrow morning on any given day. We're absolutely terrified. Did you hear this? Did you hear all the bad news? And they consume bad news by the hour and never spend time focusing on God. If you compared their news consumption versus their consumption of the truth of God's word, it'd be a 100 to 1. And we wonder why we're paralyzed with fear. So we need to stay away from fear mongers. Secondly, we need to meditate on truth. Well, if I'm not going to meditate on that, well, what will I meditate on? Truth. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Well, the Bible is the key source of all that. I learned this. Some of you heard me talk about this before, but I learned this for real when I uh, performed a funeral for a 15-year-old girl a number of years back. Her name was Ashley Williams. Up in her bedroom, a 15-year-old girl she had the things she feared. She'd, wrote in, she'd written sticky notes. She wrote out sticky notes. She placed them all around her mirror when she got dressed in the morning. And they had verses on them and statements about it. Something like, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I'm God's masterpiece. He's created me anew in Christ Jesus so I can do the th- good things he planned for me long ago. Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. She had things like this pasted all around her mirror. And she'd get dressed in the morning and it's a 15-year-old girl. And she'd explain to her mom and her dad and her friends, the reason she did that is she said, I want this in my head every day because I don't want to listen to what other people tell me. I want what God has for me. You and I can't do that? We can't afford a sticky note? I mean, this is truth. What would happen if our mirror, the, the, you get in my car right now, you'll see one of these on my dashboard. I need to be reminded of stuff just like you. And you read it at every stoplight, and I hit every one, so I have plenty of, I have plenty of meditation time, okay? <laughs> okay, read that bad boy over. We're going to be sitting here for, for 45 seconds or whatever it is. When do you and I meditate on truth? That's why it's so important to have a daily devotional time. And if we have to make a choice between listening to more bad news every night or turning off the television or getting off of social media and spending some time in God's Word, I'm going to tell you the better choice. Finally, one, life, one other life application is we need to worship God. And please circle the word worship. That's the word I really wanted to um, emphasize there. More of Psalm 27. We read you verse 3 verses. Here are the next three. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections, meditating in his temple. For he'll conceal me there when troubles come. He'll hide me in his sanctuary. He'll place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I'll hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I'll offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Isaiah 26.3, you'll keep in perfect peace. There's the peace again. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I hope you understand that when we sing the praise songs we do, the worship songs we do here on Sunday morning, it's to keep our thoughts fixed on him so we can meditate on the truth. 
I love it when people come to worship at Centerpoint and they tell me, you know, I'm so glad I came. I feel like I was in a dry desert and it was just like coming to an oasis where I could drink in a lot of peace. That's why it's important to come to worship. Because we get through the we get all beat up during the week and we're worried about our finances and we're worried about our health and we're worried about our family and we're worried about our future and we're worried about dying and we're worried about everything and we can just be balled up in fear to the point we can't even move and we're just paralyzed. And then all of a sudden we hear from God's word and we sing praises to God's name and remember, oh, God's with us. God will guide us. God's bigger and smarter and stronger than anything we face. Can, you, can we say these three statements again, please? God is with us. God will guide us. God is bigger, smarter, and stronger. Not in absence of conflict. Not all the answers in front of us right now. But if we surrender every part of our lives to him, he'll show us what to do. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just don't want us... There are things we need to fear. Some things are real and some things are imagined. But even when we come to you then and we trust in you, you'll give us a clear mind to know which is which. And even when the fears are real and the dangers are real and the evil approaching us is very real, you can give us peace so we'll know how to respond in a Christian way. I don't want us to hide our head in the sand. I don't want us to pretend there's no danger in the world. But Lord, I also don't want us to be paralyzed with fear so we take no action. We take no precautions. Father, we want to trust in you because you're bigger and you're smarter and you're stronger and you're always with us and you're for us. You love us. And we're never going to be alone. So Lord, give us your peace. Anyone who today is struggling with something really hard here, Lord, remind them that you're going to guide us. You'll show us the next step, and we don't have to be afraid. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.